Hello, and welcome back to the Security Distillery for the first episode of our flagship podcast, The Intelligence Espresso, with a new cohort. The Intelligence Espresso will work a little bit differently than last year. Rather than summarise current events, we want to use this platform to highlight upcoming events and issues within the broader framework of security, as well as stories that may have flown under the radar of many. Today, we have a range of topics from three of our hosts, two of whom you may remember from the Christmas special on NORAD Santa Tracker. James will start by discussing the recent UK testing of a laser, as well as why countries around the world are investing into research on the use of lasers. Then, Johanna will explain what the upcoming Extraordinary European Council meeting is all about and how Hungary's frozen EU funds, given the erosion of rule of law in the country, are related to the delay of a comprehensive Ukraine support package. Buster will then close out by discussing the biggest NATO exercise since the Cold War, Steadfast Defender 2024. On the 19th of January 2024, the UK military conducted their first test of a high-power laser weapon against a moving aerial target. The test was successful and the Ministry of Defence announced they were transitioning from the research phase to working towards deployment in the military. The name of the laser? Dragonfire. The cost of firing it for 10 seconds was only £10, a fraction of a price of a single man pad, a man portable air defence system, fired usually from the shoulder, such as a Stinger missile, which costs a bit over £310,000. While the laser's range was classified, the laser is likely around 35 kilowatts in power, so based upon the claimed ranges of US and Chinese lasers of similar power profiles, it likely has an effective range of around 4 kilometres. The accuracy is also very impressive. For Dragonfire to be effective in countering aerial threats, it has to be able to hit the equivalent of a £1 coin, or for European listeners, a €1 coin, and American listeners, just smaller than diameter of a quarter. The low cost of use is a major factor behind the interest in the last decade to develop viable laser systems, especially with the increasing role of low-cost drones, both fixed-wing and quadcopter varieties. Videos released by the US military, as well as Lockheed Martin with their Helio system and and Raytheon, with the Helwus, the H-E-L-W-S system, show them destroying the tails of drones within seconds, causing them to fall out the sky, as well as detonating mortar shells nearly instantly by targeting their nose. US Navy Command is also keen to adopt next-generation systems with two ships to date being outfitted with laser systems, with the Helios currently fitted to the USS Prable. Admiral Jonathan Greenert in 2014 said, Number one, you've got to get us off gunpowder. Gunpowder and traditional explosive propellants having the rather unfortunate side effect of also being a major detonation risk on ships. Laser systems are also surprisingly mobile, with a Raytheon-designed dune buggy with Helwes for the US Army capable of firing around 40 shots without being connected to a power outlet. As for the actual use of lasers operationally, we have very limited data for their field effectiveness. Israel has used them as part of the Iron Beam, Mag and Ore, to burst incendiary balloons launched by Hamas and longer term have stated they wish the lasers to be fully integrated into the Iron Dome missile defence network due to the high cost currently of interception using missiles. Though there are issues of range, this would be mitigated by deployment throughout the whole network rather than the limited deployment Israel used during testing. Russia, perhaps unsurprisingly, claimed that their Zadira model laser has been used in Ukraine which caused President Zelensky to compare them to Nazi Germany and their myth of Wunderwaffe. There remains no evidence so far of these sorts of lasers being used within the Ukrainian conflict, which is the most filmed and photographed war in history. China too has missed out on the fun of lasers, unveiling their Silent Hunter laser system in 2017, with at least eight of them purchased and delivered to Saudi Arabia. So, 
Is anyone close to fully operational battle station capable of destroying planets with lasers? No. But we are on the cusp of real-life laser weapons being used and changing their battle space, potentially destroying missiles worth tens of thousands for the price of a few pints. While we are only entering week 5 of 2024, the political year in the EU is well underway. Having failed to reach an agreement at the meeting in December 2023 on the midterm revision of the EU's long-term budget, the EU's heads of state and government are coming together again on February 1st for an extraordinary meeting of the European Council to continue the discussions. So, what is going on? What matters are leaders trying to reach an agreement on? Why haven't they already? And how is it related to European security and defense? The EU has been exposed to quite a few crises over the past years and so has its budget. The multi-annual financial framework for 2021 to 2027 therefore increasingly got under strain. In response, the European Commission put forward several proposals to adjust the budget to keep up the EU's ability to respond to new challenges in a targeted and balanced manner. Among these proposals, and in line with the EU's aim to ensure a stable, predictable and sustainable financial support for Ukraine for the period between 2024 and 2027, is the establishment of the so-called Ukraine Facility, a financial instrument with an overall capacity of up to 50 billion euros to support Ukraine's recovery, reconstruction and modernization, as well as supporting its efforts to carry out reforms as part of its accession path to the EU. While the proposed budget adjustments include numerous proposals, such as additional funds for migration, the neighborhood, the European Defense Fund, etc., the Ukraine facility, with a total of 50 billion euros, accounts for the bulk of the proposal's financial weight of 64.6 billion euros. The rejection of the proposal for the establishment of said Ukraine facility by Hungarian Prime Minister Viktor Orban, unless the EU would unfreeze the funds it has previously frozen in a dispute over the country's rule of law, inhibited the European Council to reach consensus on the file in December, since a unanimous decision is required. The implications are far-reaching and time is running out, since an agreement between EU leaders is only the first step, followed by the launch of the EU's legislative procedure in which the Council of the European Union and the European Parliament need to reach consensus. Moreover, the credibility of the EU's support to Ukraine hinges on the continuity of its financial support. Over the new year, Orban signaled a certain willingness to back down on his veto if an annual review mechanism would be included in the legislative proposal for the Ukraine facility. In real terms, this would give him the opportunity to block the aid in the future and undermine the main purpose of the package, providing Ukraine with stable, predictable and sustainable financial support. Therefore, multiple options are currently being considered in an attempt to reach a compromise and reconcile EU member states' diverse views among which is the introduction of an emergency break. Such a mechanism would enable one or more EU member states to request a discussion at the subsequent European Council meeting if they had any concerns, while avoiding handing out a yearly veto possibility to Hungary. Still, the debate got increasingly heated over the past two weeks. On the one hand, the European Parliament adopted a resolution in which it regrets the failure of the Council to make meaningful progress in the Article 7.1 Treaty of the European Union procedures. Said article includes provisions for addressing a breach of EU values by an EU member state. Its application could, in the most serious scenario, lead to the suspension of Hungary's voting rights, 
an option that allegedly is seriously being considered among certain EU member states should Orban continue to uphold his veto, according to reports by Politico. Monday morning, the Financial Times reported on a plan which could foresee EU leaders threatening to hit Hungary's economy by pulling all EU funds from the country should it continue to block financial support to Ukraine. In sum, the recent events indicate that the upcoming meeting of EU leaders on the 1st of February will be an interesting one. While it seems likely that an escalation can be averted, with Orban most recently signaling willingness for compromise, there is much at stake. Failure to reach an agreement would not only jeopardize the continuity and predictability of the EU's financial support to Ukraine, but could equally threaten the EU's credibility as a reliable partner and thus have grave strategic implications for the EU, as the European Parliament's resolution also suggests. Adoption of the package is considered to be essential for the demonstration of continuous, unanimous support to Ukraine. Still, in light of Belgium's plans to advance the Article 7 proceedings, as well as the upcoming takeover by Hungary of the Council of the European Union's rotating presidency, this most likely is not the last time this dispute will be dominating the debates. Let's see what Thursday will bring. The 24th January marked the start of NATO exercise Steadfast Defender 2024. Now, it's no secret that NATO conducts a lot of military exercises year-round. So why should you care specifically about this one? Steadfast Defender 2024 is the largest NATO exercise since the end of the Cold War, with approximately 90,000 personnel participating from all 31 member states of NATO. Along with NATO hopeful Sweden, which often has participated in NATO's exercises before, the exercise boasts over 50 naval vessels ranging all the way from corvettes to aircraft carriers. 80-odd aircraft including fighter jets, drones and around 1,100 combat vehicles. The overall goal of the exercise is to showcase NATO's ability to react to an Article 5 scenario. Supreme Allied Commander Europe, NATO's highest-ranking officer, US General Christopher Cavoli, stated that Steadfast Defender 2024 would be a clear demonstration of our unity, strength and determination to protect each other, our values and a rule-based international order. While the scenario doesn't specify the aggressor, there is no doubt that the fictitious so-called near-peer adversary is a stand-in for Russia. The exercise runs from January all the way through to June. It kicked off with the departure of US landing ship the USS Gunston Hall from Norfolk in Virginia. The first phase of the exercise aims to train NATO's ability to transport forces from North America all the way across the Atlantic Ocean to bolster the defense of Europe during a crisis. Once the exercise reaches Europe, it will simulate combat across most of NATO's eastern flank with a focus on sustaining combat along a vast front line for multiple months on end. Steadfast Defender 2024 starts during a period of dwindling cohesion within NATO. Despite the initial surge in military spending after the invasion of Ukraine in 2022, many NATO members are now much less supportive of the alliance. With the prospect of former US President Donald Trump and his anti-NATO views re-entering the White House in early 2025, there is ample reason for NATO to want to signal alliance cohesion, especially towards Russia. The size of the exercise has rather unsurprisingly rattled Russia, with Deputy Foreign Minister Alexander Grusko claiming that Steadfast Defender 2024 marks the final and irrevocable return of NATO to the Cold War schemes when military planning process, resources and infrastructure are being prepared for confrontation with Russia. 
It will be interesting to watch how the exercise unfolds over the next half a year and whether it's going to put additional kindling on the fire that is the Russo-NATO relationship. This is us for today. We hope you enjoyed the episode. Just as a disclaimer, this has been recorded on the 30th of January 2024. Therefore, any more recent turn of events hasn't been taken into account. In order not to miss out on any future episodes of the Security Distillery Podcast, hit the subscribe button. We would also appreciate if you could leave us a review. If there's anything you would like to point out, feel free to contact us via our email, information at thesecuritydistillery.org. See you soon for the next episode of the Security Distillery Podcast.